How's everybody all good? Strong? Strong in the Lord and in the power of His might? Amen. Let's go. Let's go. Good, good. One, two. Yeah, that one's good. And then the other one. So I know we've had, is it three weeks now of this series? Yeah. This is number four. Am I right? Yeah. Okay, so we've been touching base with a lot of people in the week, you know, between uh, services, and we're just kind of like getting feedback, you know. So uh, while we're getting ready, while we're settling down, is there anyone that has anything to share, any questions to ask? Uh, how has this sermon, you know, sort of opened up your heart, has it? How has it affected you to make you think about things? Anyway, Cecilia? Come on, give her a round of applause. I enjoy the mark too much. <laughs> um, let me just find my notes. Okay, so, you know what? The past three weeks have really helped me to, to start doing what you would call the yucky work and digging through all the ugly to find the new man. And I've really been doing that. And um, at first, you know, I was just, I think I didn't really want to be honest with myself. So the first week when we had to write it down, I wrote down the basic things, um, trying to keep everyone happy, um, having fear of what people have to say about me in the industry I'm in, um, that sort of thing. And as I've done the digging and the work, I've realized that it's, it's way deeper than that. And it all boils down to the value I have for myself. And I've thought that I've overcome this thing of, of not valuing myself as much as I can. And I've actually realized that I was not dealing with everything that I needed to deal with. And basically, on Friday, I had a little bit of a revelation when I got back into, I won't say a bad habit, but yes, I went back down that way. And I realized that it's all linked to the value we have for ourselves, And when we, work, when we walk in the value that Jesus has for us, we will treat ourselves the way we deserve. And so sometimes you have to be brutally honest with yourself and be willing to say, well, am I, is this action walking with Jesus or am I not walking in Jesus? And this, the past three weeks, it's been an uncomfortable journey, but it's really opened my eyes as to how I need to treat myself. And yeah, if that makes sense. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's how it goes, eh, guys. We don't actually have an option. Um, good morning, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Oh, I see some new faces here. Nice to see people are sharing the gospel, bringing family to church. Amen. So welcome, guys. Welcome. But um, we don't actually have a choice. Uh, like we did say, it's not about us going to go look for the, for the bad things in us, but we pick up on the indicators which are those, those patterns in our lives, you know, like continuously maybe dating the wrong kind of people, maybe never ever getting out of a certain earning bracket um, uh, with your work. Because uh, you, you don't actually believe you deserve more. Are, are you with me? So there's many, there's many ways that self-worth or lack of self-worth plays itself out in our lives. So we're not going out there and searching and, like we said last time, a witch hunt. But the Holy Spirit, if we open ourselves up, He will show us. And obviously sometimes the frustration of those 
those cycles will obviously bring us to a place where in our prayer we'll seek for, for guidance, you know. So, but we don't actually have an option, guys. This is why. If we don't deal with those things, insecurities and low self-worth, if we don't deal with them, they will automatically catapult you to the other extreme. So if you don't go in there and, you, and deal with it and become this open-hearted person, what you are going to do is you're going to push yourself into self-preservation. You're going to push yourself into putting up a front, um, trying to be somebody that you're not, trying to fulfill all the or redeem all the bad qualities with performance, with money, with uh, um, uh, relationships that are not supposed to be there. Do you understand what I'm saying? We actually don't have an option because the only other uh, option is you falling into the flesh and trying to fix it with the flesh. Yeah. Sure? Um, give her a round of applause. She's preaching this morning. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, Friday was a, an eye-opener for me because I have a, hab a habit of going into, I would say, destructive habits if, I, if I'm not having a good day, you know? Um, or something's bothering me. And as I did that on Friday again, I realized that we use other things as a crutch and as a reason to behave that way, you know? And uh, then I realized, okay, Didi said we have to do the ugly work and we have to be honest with ourselves. And I just stood and I was brutally honest with myself, not in a condemning way or, or anything like that, but I just said to myself, you know what? You can try and blame everyone else around you for feeling this way, um, that's a crutch. But actually, at 29 years old, you can't say it's a generational thing or people or whatever, it's, it's you. In 29 years, you can't still lean on it being someone else's fault because by then you have your own choices, you know? So yeah, it's been a big eye opener. I'm very grateful for the for the brutal honesty and the journey I'm on. I feel free. <laughs> awesome! Give yeah. a round of applause. It's it's so important that we do this work and we be honest with ourselves and we open ourselves up to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's not the condemnation. It's the conviction. Conviction is just a revealing that the Holy Spirit will open us up to who we truly are in Christ. Okay, but. If we don't, like I said, our flesh will propel us. Uh, it will propel us to make a plan, to put up a facade, to be someone we're not. Then we fall into the category of a hypocrite. And Jesus had a lot to say about hypocrites. Why? Why does Jesus, like, why did he despise hypocrisy so much? Because a hypocrite is somebody who comes to Jesus in a fake way. And they ask for him to help him. And they ask for him, do this for me, do this. But they're not even being real with who they are. So Jesus he was actually voicing his frustration with a, with a hypocrite because a hypocritical spirit, he, he loves them, but he can't help them because they're not being real. That, that ego, that hypocritical spirit is actually in the way of God putting his hand in the mix and actually bringing freedom. Are you with me? Hypocrisy or, 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 or living by that in that fake facade to please everybody else and your flesh and not, your, and, and not God, it will hurt you badly. And so God's not condemning anyone. He's saying, come, I want to show you this place of freedom. 
I want to show you what it's like just to be happy in your own skin for a change. Amen? Do you know how cool that is? Yeah. That's yeah, so cool. I actually commend you. I wish I was like that at 29. <laughs> I could be like this brutally honest with myself. Actually, I was hiding from me, never mind being... And it's interesting, the word hypocrite, hypocritis in the Greek, is someone who hides behind a mask. Hey? And it came uh, from um, the tragedies and the comedies, remember? So the person behind the mask is different than the mask. So that, that's what Didi was saying, that in other words, when Jesus approached them, they were seeking externally a change, but internally, nope, don't touch me there. You know, I'm not interested in, in going inwardly and changing, uh, you know, the things that really drive me and really uh, motivating me to, to be who I am. Actually, I like who I am a lot. And uh, could you please find an excuse for me for staying the way I am, but externally things can change. Yeah. That's what they were asking Jesus. Yeah. You know, can I please stay the way I am, even if it's destroying me, by the way. You know, holding on to something that's destroying me, but uh, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, let's change the external. And remember, the Israelites did ex as a nation did exactly the same. Because Jesus came as the Savior, and he came as a lamb to be slaughtered so that internally people can change, the nation of Israel can change, but they were looking for something totally different. We're looking for the king right now, the king who will come to set us free from the Roman Empire. So, it depends what you're looking for. I don't know if you're going to find Jesus. Because we need to look for Him. Because in Him there is life. In Him there is, is, is forgiveness. In Him there is this, this literal change that takes place inside of us. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever sit and thought about that. Apart from everything else that I'm experiencing, He says, I am the life. So everything else I've experienced about life is not life. Come on. Hey? That's what the world told me. You know, that's what my parents told me. That's what my friends, my colleagues, my peers, everybody around me told me that's life. And then he comes and says, no, no, no. If you haven't experienced me, you haven't experienced life. Because me and the Father are one. And whatever I experience, I got it from the Father. And he is the source of life. Are you in me? Are you experiencing me? You're only experiencing life. So apart from me, you can do nothing or experience nothing. Man, that's something. That's why it's so true. I remember in, uh, I used to read that book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. Very old uh, sort of book. And he would always say either Jesus, what he was saying is a lunatic in other words, he's mad, you know, he's lost his marbles, he's a, the biggest liar that you've ever come across, or he's actually Lord. You have to make that decision. And there's nothing in between. You can't call him a prophet, you can't call him, you can't, because the statements that he made, so you decide who he is, you know, he's Lord of the abundant life. That's it, come on. And if we enter into him, the book of Acts says, in him. What do, we, what do we find in him? 
We live, we move, and we have our existence, the being, our existence in Him. Man, those are words of life. That really takes us, uh, you know, the word of propelling into, uh, uh, into, um, into the abundant life. Yeah. That's it. There's nothing more. Yeah. So, every day, I've, my, my comparison should not be with anybody else. My comparison is me and Jesus. How are we doing today? Am I feeling like you're feeling today, Jesus? You know? Am I experiencing <laughs> you, uh, you know, today in your fullness? Am I? If I'm not, then I'm not experiencing life. Yep. Yeah, but I'm experiencing a good, uh, uh, you know, chocolate ganache. Hey, amen. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, yeah, your taste buds, your, your five senses. And the problem is you get so confused with those things because Jesus came to give me the abundant life. Where did I experience those in my five senses? Over there. <laughs> hey? And you go there in the name of Jesus to experience the abundant life. You're going to a good sunset or you're hearing a nice music, you know? Uh, or things that reminisce. And you say, well, that's life. It takes me back to that pleasure. And because I'm born again, I'm in Jesus. Well, I'm allowed to do that. You know, I'm allowed to go back and experience that. Because Jesus is with me. I'm born again. You see, and that's the deception. The deception is we go back to the five senses. And, and, and this is where the Bible says in the book of Proverbs... Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Notice, don't lean to your own understanding. Where did the understanding come from? Where to find abundant life? From your five senses. That's right. Yeah. That's where it came from. Yeah. Sure. And God is calling us out of that. Come out from among them where they're experiencing life. Yeah. Believers and unbelievers. Well, I'm going to tell you my testimony. You'll see, I never had much problems, unbelief. I knew who I was. My problem is after I got born again. <laughs> you know? Oh, so, so like... Yeah, yeah, after, after. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's after you get born again. Then you've got to contend with yourself. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, because you've got all the other things as information coming to you and saying, well, you know, this is what life is all about. Mm. And by the way, this preacher of prosperity told you that. So you go after it, my boy. Or else if you don't, you know, then you're not experiencing life. Yeah. Okay, you speak uh, a little no, bit. I'm just <laughs> it's so good though, oh my gosh. No, but I, I think the confusion comes in with the word reborn, right? Because yeah. like, for some reason in our minds, we have this picture that, okay, so let's say someone gets reborn at 25 years old. They think they're reborn as 25. Yeah. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So now, but when a baby's born, is a baby. You can't be born a 25-year-old. <laughs> You're born a baby. <laughs> Are you with me? And like, this is why this process sounds so radical. Is because, yes, you know what? I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I felt it in my, I was like, wow, man, God is real, you know? Feel his love and you feel his presence. He's like, wow, this is real, you know? But then, for example, at 25, 
Now you're like, okay, I'm just going to carry on and include Jesus along the way. But the principle of being reborn, I mean, Nicodemus said, he's like, but how, how do I go back in my mother's womb? I'm, I'm a fully grown man. What are you saying? You know, is that you don't pick up your life with Jesus where you, from the moment you chose him. It's from the moment you chose him, you died. The Bible tells us that. You died, and now you have been born again. So that means that the life that you are now going to be living, you need to relearn based on who life is. Not like the 25 years up until then, you know, the five senses like you were explaining now. Are you guys with me? Because I think this is the radical sort of mechanism that really trips a lot of people up. Because they're like, okay, but yeah, I know about life. We're not denying that. You know about life by the senses. You know about what the Bible calls carnal life, right? You know, like in church community over the years, it was like, carnal means you sinner. You got bad habits, you got addictions, you got all that. Listen, carnal is merely stimulated purely and anchored purely by your senses. That's what carnal in the Bible means, right? And now, where your carnal life has ended, now, let's talk, when I say your, okay, a lot of people think that, listen, this is me. I'm this body, and I'm, you know, and you know what I experience, you know all that things. But there is an eternal aspect to us. You know what I'm saying? The Bible tells us we are spirit, soul, and body. Are you guys with me? So even when these five senses are gone, right, there's still going to be a soul, that's going to be searching for these five senses. Because all this soul is used to experiencing is what I can touch, what I can taste, you know? Are, are you guys understanding what I'm saying? So that day in eternity when we stand before God as a soul, we're standing there, you know, spirit, being, and soul. We are now looking for, where's, where's my chocolate ganache, dude? And there's this glorious God in front of you, but that version of life doesn't look like life to you. You know what I'm saying? That version of life is foreign. You're like, dude. And then what do you do then? Are you guys with me? Same like what we read this morning about the moth and the rust and the thieves and you know all that stuff. It's all the carnal physical things. And I love what you brought up about that definite line. It's either he's crazy or he's Lord. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And when Jesus spoke, all of his words are like that. There's no gray area. You know, even when you read it at first and you go deep and you, you, you study with the commentary and the historical context and who he was talking to, you know, the language, all that stuff, then you realize, okay, wow, he was quite definite in what he was saying. Mm. It was not possible for those people to misinterpret him. You, you guys understand what I'm saying? Likewise, it needs to be for us now. So when we get reborn, now it's radical, but becoming someone who needs to start discovering life again like you were saying, you know, earlier, it's, it's, it's a bit of a process. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's very uncomfortable. It's, it's frustrating. You know, it's all these things. I was talking to someone last week, and they're like, yeah, you know, it's so cool. I'm so happy. God is good, all this stuff. And then you're having a bad day. It's like, oh, I tried. It's fine. I'm giving up. And then two weeks, you're down, you know, like sort of thing. It's like, okay. But remember, you're learning the new life. You're climatizing now to the new life, who life is, and that's Jesus. Are you guys with me? Our process as believers is so independent of this world, right, that people will look at you as a crazy person. Yeah. Say, like, hey, don't you see they're locking down and they're doing all these things? And we're like, yeah, no, it's cool. We're following God. 
What do you mean? It's like, well, God's going to lead us, you know? He's our protector. He's our provider. He's our comforter. He gives us wisdom. You know, all these things that he says he is, we're going to trust him. Yeah. yeah, but they're locking you in your house and they, they're stopping you from working and, you know, all this stuff. It's like, okay, that's great, but we're not going to be led by what we're experiencing in the carnal. Because we know as much as they affect the carnal life, that is not our life. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys with me? Are you getting how radical this is? And why, as a believer, as a child of God, you need to have the same patience with this process as God has with you. This, this is where now, if you guys go read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2, you know where it says, God has not called the wise. Okay? He has called the stupid. Actually, the word is stupid there. Now, what, what, do, you, what do they mean by that? You know, so I'm here, am I stupid? <laughs> What's the story, you know? No, no, no. What he's saying is, he's God, you've got your own wisdom, your own logic that he's talking about. So to God, your logic that you think is wise to you, it's stupid to him. But to him now, whose heart is open, not that he's stupid. No, it's stupid how it looks to the world. Because the world looks from the carnal perspective, isn't it? Yeah. Hey? They're they looking at, look, through the five senses, this is stupid. What are you talking about? How can you even think like it when someone locks you in, you go, God's is going to lead you. I don't know. God's going to lead you. Go somewhere else. Go hug a tree. <laughs> somewhere. You know, they are. That's because that's the logic. The carnal logic looks at it that way and says, no, 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 it can't be. It's impossible. It doesn't make sense. Now, just to go back to that point, why doesn't it make sense and why is it challenging to the believer? Because in your heart, you still have a wrong image about yourself. And your heart is fighting it. You see, it doesn't want to let go. Said you, because your heart says, listen, you gave me this. You gave me this image of you. Okay? You need to convince me that you want to change that image. Because I'm supposed to protect this image that you gave me. Yeah? Even if it's a destructive image, even if it's, a, if it's an image that, that of low self-worth, I'm doing my job. You gave it to me, I'm going to protect it. You see, that is where the challenge is. And that's, who, that's where the work is. As we go to Jesus and we, as we keep looking to him, as we keep experiencing him, in us and we in him, those would be the challenges. Your heart is going to come up and it's going to say, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's going to say, no, you, just, you don't deserve this. Man, one day I'll never forget this because we all accept. Who, who accepts we, we are in Christ, he's in us? I mean, come on, isn't it? Okay. And intellectually it makes sense to you. Well, one day I was in my heart and I wanted to enter into Jesus. And as I'm sitting there and I'm looking, I want to enter in, I hear my mom's voice. And it says to me, in, in a diminutive way, tasuli, you know, it's, it's, it's tasso, small tasso, yeah. It says, uh, you know, <laughs> Jesus is a good guy. You know, and all good guys, of course, they're going to say yes to you to come and have it for free, but they don't really want to. But, 
you know, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to say, they, the good guys don't say no. He's a nice guy. Jeez. Now this is the voice, I mean, my mother, obviously. But, but this was the picture that she had given me about people externally. Why I did not deserve to enter into Christ, why I did not deserve perfection, he's really giving it to everybody. But, you know, he really doesn't want to. But, you know, he's a nice guy. Hey? You see, those are the things that you're going to experience in your heart. Okay? Now, I, I just stood there and, I, and, and, and for a moment I said, yeah. My mother wasn't there, but I heard her voice. She says, yeah, mom, you're right. Eh? I mean, actually, that's the way you taught me, to be a nice guy. So actually, you, what you're telling me is to project myself. I'm supposed to be to people to project it to Jesus. And Jesus now is treating me the same way. Is this what you're saying? Yep. Now, how do I overcome that? See? Right there and there, when I was looking at Jesus, he says to me, he answered back and he says, what do you think? I'm a nice guy. I came, I gave my life, I died, you know, I took everything for you and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm giving it to you as a free gift. Don't come and tell me. Just like that. Don't come and tell me that I'm a nice guy. I'm a fair guy. I'm full of justice, he says. I'm not a nice guy. Oh, that's good. Sure. Big difference. Hey? You deserve to come in me because I paid for you. So what I'm saying, this is the difference, something that happens internally and something that you're hearing now and we all agreeing intellectually that we in Jesus and Jesus is in us. You see, that's where we need to face to make him really the source where we can participate. And every day you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have these experiences, you know, with Christ. Because things are going to come up continuously in your heart. And they're going to say, you do not deserve this. That's what it's going to say. And then you will go and you say, listen, the you that says you don't deserve, you know what? I'm taking you right now, my boy. And I'm taking you to that cross. And guess what? I'm going to kill you. You're going to die. That's what I'm going to do. Because yeah. I'm not carrying you in me anymore. You're not adding anything into my life. Nothing good is coming out of you. So what do you want? you dying. And you take him to that cross. Actually, you can do that with your enemies, by the way. If you've got enemies that really have hurt you, the best thing to do is take them and nail them to the cross and see them die. Not, not, not because you want them to. Hello? <laughs> see them die. Okay. <laughs> we'll find some. 
Okay, so I mean, that's, that is something that we need really to do in our hearts, to be able to keep experiencing God. We need to keep dying to self every day. You know, what's so powerful is that, that mother's voice and that father's voice in our lives. Yo, I mean, it's, so, it's such a determining factor in how we, how we see ourselves. Even if they could be passed on for 20, 30 years, you'll still remember those words and that tone. They've written stuff on our hearts. <clears throat> and uh, sometimes we have to take our parents to the cross. Yep. I know, it's tough. It's really tough. But I can tell you one thing, hey? Flesh is flesh. Huh? I, can, uh, I can tell you one thing. That was probably one of the hardest things that I had to go through in renewing myself was um, breaking away from the ones that I loved so much. Because those voices are the voices that actually gave me the low self-worth. They didn't intend to, but just like Pastor Tasso just said, everything they thought was life was actually death. So their dispensing of death, thinking it's life, it's killing us. And they would say things, do things, uh, live a certain way, and they would create a certain person, you know, un unbeknown to, to themselves. And we have to do that. We actually have to go through that process and deal with even that voice of your mom, that voice of your dad. Jesus actually says, if you don't hate your mom and your dad and your family and your brother and your sister, you're not worthy of him. <clears throat> He's not talking about hate them like that. He's talking about hate their logic. Hate what they told you was life. Hate their version of life so that you can enter in to my version of life. <clears throat> it's so important. But I can tell you something, guys. It's the toughest thing you'll go through. Because you love them. Man, my dad was my hero. Yes, and the things that he would say and he would do were ingrained in me. I had to literally day by day pick those things apart because, I mean, the end result of my dad's life was chaos. Even though he was, I loved him and he was such a great guy, but he was a gangster. And, uh, well, I mean, he wasn't a mafia gangster, but I mean, he, he rolled with gangsters, okay? <laughs> so the thing is, is that even though he was, he was my hero, there was so much perverted stuff in his mindsets and I loved him to bits, but I actually had to, at a certain age, like Cecilia was saying, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't carry on. If I wanted to be in Christ, I had to cut all those cords. Though. I had to change all those uh, motives, um, the vengeful thinking. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you 10 times worse. You know? Um, the, the fast speaking mouth, because we grew up in a family where um, your mouth was like your... Man, if you had a quick mouth and you could put people down quickly or you could, you know, a defense mechanism, yeah. Um, I, had to, I had to actually break that down word by word, you know, and say, no, I'm not going to say that because I don't want to be like him. Although I love him, I don't want to be like him. I want to be like him. And it's a tough process because it's that whole thing of, you know, you now starting to f discover life all the way from the beginning again, you know, as a reborn Christian. You're starting off like a baby. You're starting off like a baby. And it's, but it's a beautiful process. It's awesome. And we, we have to go through those things because there is this abundance of life waiting for us on the other side of it. You know what I'm saying? 
we can't. We can't not settle for that life because that would be secondary gain. I settle for a lower level of life because I'm still getting something out of it, but I'm not getting the promise. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you guys want a life like that? <clears throat> How many of you guys realize Jesus didn't die for you to have a life like that? Mm. Amen? He doesn't want you to settle for the wrong person in your relationships. He doesn't want you to settle for uh, that little bracket or just being uh, uh, somebody who works in a job. Maybe he's got a whole business inside of you. <coughs> Excuse me. But if we, don't, if we don't go to him with everything and cut all those things that are holding us back, we're not going to enter in. Yeah. And we first enter into him. He gives us the correct image. And then he, that image gives us our self-worth. And then our self-worth gives us confidence. And then we go out and we take life. Amen? If you, if you signed up for discipleship school, we're kicking off this year with the heart. We're going to show you the hierarchy of the heart. We're going to show you how the heart functions dif different between the soul and the, the actual spirit. We're going to show you how the body fits into it. We're going to be so blessed if you signed up for discipleship school on Wednesday. How many of you guys know that we're starting this Wednesday? Yeah. Give God a round of applause. Come on. So, so I think just on, on, on that point is that, you know, believers who are struggling to walk with God, you know, that's the process you're struggling with. It's not an attack of the devil. It's not God testing you. It's not all these things that we've been taught. It's that process. Is that I want to keep the old. Jesus is calling me to a new, and you feel stretched in the middle. That's the frustration. And that's why the two can never be together. They cannot. It is only what Jesus says. And the thing is this, is that even if historically uh, you have experienced someone being overly uh, authoritative over you, you know? Like they just give you commands or they, they force you into doing things and all that stuff. Even that you must cut because he's not like that. Amen? Yeah. He loves you. He's patient with you. He wants to lead you to abundant life. Amen? Amen. 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 I, just, I just want to add, not only do you have to break away from your family's logic, how you were brought up, or, you need to cut religion. Religion is 10 times worse. Yeah. Because you become reborn and you come into the church and all they do is they just, they just put God on exactly what the world is saying. Be a good person. Do this, do that, follow the Ten Commandments, make sure you do this, and God will bless you. Amen. They haven't given you the kingdom. They've just given you performance again in the name of Jesus. Yeah. It's a problem. You have to cut religion. Religion is from the devil. Mm. I'm telling you, yeah. it's from the devil. It will destroy you. That's it. You need to cut that stuff away. Mm -hmm. And I know in, we've only got 15 minutes left, yeah. but... Pastor Tasso's testimony time. He's in the hot seat. Let's go. Give him a round of applause. Come on. Awesome. Yeah. Come on. But how many of you guys have been joining the series? Before we get to Pastor Tasso, is there any question? Does anyone have a question about this process? Come on, throw it out there. Don't, don't be shy. Throw it out. Come on. We, this, this is not just about us sitting up here preaching. This is about you guys. 
you guys interacting with it. Amen? Come on, so throw it out, throw it out. Anybody? Shout it out. Shout, shout, let it all out. <laughs> These are the yes, things we just gave I up. can do. Uh, age away, tussle. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm talking to you. Come on. <laughs> We're going to get tussle going, right? Yes, how many people know that song? Let's sing it. Come on. <laughs> shout, shout, let it all out. It's happening right now. <laughs> well, it's happening. Uh, Whatever it is, it's gosh. happening. <laughs> Come on, man. Turn to the person next to you with a big smile and say, I'm allowed to have fun at church. <laughs> this is not some religious temple. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Shout it out, guys. Somebody. Anybody. Ask a question, because the best way to teach people about spiritual things, you know how difficult it is to explain spiritual things? Your question might help someone else. So remember that your question might help someone else. Just, just throw As it As you learn to walk in the Spirit, um, you know, you've spoken a lot about religion. And if we are sort of surrounded with people in our life who are religious but you know they have a heart for God but they are still religious how do you deal with that because you know you have how do you almost sometimes when you tell people certain things you can see there's like a form of disbelief like how free we are and how we must just let God handle everything and then you sense that disbelief and almost like they think you're a bit crazy how do we deal with that I would I would love some advice I think it's the most difficult thing Amen. Religion is the most difficult thing to, uh, to actually deal with because people who are religious think they're right. That's the problem. Once you think you're right, then, you, you know, then unfortunately, um, there is no recourse. Even, you know, if the Holy Spirit had to walk in with a yellow hat, a green suit, and I don't know, whatever and tell you that, listen, you've got to go this direction. You won't even recognize it. So religious people are the most difficult. The only way that it happens with religious people is when you keep failing continuously and you see that things are not working. And then, like you said, you find, oh, hold on one second. I think I'm the common denominator here and everything, you know? And if I'm the common denominator, well, I, I think I need to look at my, uh, you know, my beliefs and my doctrines. Yeah. You know, and once you do that, you will realize, man, I'm not measuring up to anything here. Yeah. You know? And uh, I think that becomes the... And, and I think also, because agreed, it is, I promise you, I, I think we will agree, even being in ministry or whatever, for however long... It's always the most difficult thing. It, it's like, sometimes it's like talking to a wall. You're like, dude, <laughs> I'm just trying to have a conversation with you, but it always ends up in an argument, you know? But the thing is this, is, is um, never ever, firstly, right? If you are a believer who's walking with God and experiencing Him in your heart, I promise you, nine times out of ten, a religious person's going to know the Bible better than you. Do you know why? It's because their motivation for learning the Bible is to be at peace with God. Your motivation is a living relationship with him to discover who you are in him, right? The one has pressure, chaos, you know, fear, all that stuff. The other one is organic. It's, it's loving. It's a natural transformation, right? So a religious person 
probably is always going to know more about you than, than Scripture, right? More than you in Scripture. But there's a very amazing trick that we see Jesus use when dealing with the religious people, right? And this is it, is that Jesus didn't come up to them and then say, okay, today I'm going to quote Zechariah and give my interpretation on that. What he did was, out of his experience with God, he expounded on the principles from that relationship, right? Not even contradicting any scripture, fulfilling it. Are you with me? So they'll read maybe something out of Romans and all that stuff. But if you talk about your practical experience of how you're walking it out and how it reconciles to who God is and what Jesus has done, all of a sudden now they're in a place where like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Because now there is evidence of what that scripture looks like practically. Are you with me? So number one, probably scriptural debate if you have the energy for it. You can go for it, you know. But listen carefully to the Holy Spirit because what you share with that person, right? Like I said, they probably know more scripture and knowledge and history and all this stuff than you. But the practical thing that is real with walking with God and walking it out, right, is going to look like something so frustrating to them, so foreign. They're going to be like, wait, but I know this, but why is it not working for me? You know, I know this, but why is it not working for me? And everything Jesus spoke, that's what he did. He didn't go beyond scripture and he didn't say, oh, no, you know. No, he's just like, listen, you read it, but I'm showing you what it looks like. You read it and you hold to it, but I'm showing you what it looks like. You know what I'm saying? And I find that's good at keeping the peace. Because <laughs> the thing is, you, you know, they always get angry. They always get very, very aggressive, you know, all that stuff. So just, you know, act in love, you know, no. sort of thing. The thing about religion is it's, um, it's more than just... A belief system it's actually a spirit so these people have a a self-righteous spirit governing their soul so it, it's the attitude that they carry so to try and penetrate them with a with with an argument or with facts or scripture it's not going to happen they they are determined that they can see like Tasso was saying they know it's right why because they're not having a relationship with righteousness himself they're having a relationship with their deeds they're good deeds. I read the Bible. I pray a lot. I go to church all the time. I give my 10%. I am the righteousness. That's what they do. But how did Jesus deal with something like that? He said, your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of a Pharisee. Pharisees fulfilled all those things. They ticked all the boxes. But Jesus said, there's a, there's a righteousness that goes beyond that. Righteousness is the stumbling block, the scriptures say. So take them to the heart and, and ask them to show you what it looks like. Walk it out. Are, are you with me? Because they can say it intellectually, but take them to the heart and say, okay, but show me what does righteousness look like? What does this look like? And then you'll see maybe you'll get an opening and you'll go in. Otherwise, you'll just have to join them at the synagogue of Satan. I don't yeah, know. What the heck? Because that's... <laughs> That's what scripture calls a religious spirit. <laughs> Testing. That to just check it's on. Um, okay, so my question was, I think it was two weeks ago, we were doing the thing about going into your heart on fixing your bad beliefs. And um, I hadn't even left the building and the Holy Spirit showed me this one that was like a blind side. And um, I was thinking about it today. Sorry, maybe just closer to my mouth. Um, when you get born again, Obviously, you start getting taken through your heart issues and dying to yourself and renewing your mind. But my question is, 
I guess it's like, what is it that I say, maybe what is our attitude or what are the things that we're doing that are limiting the Holy Spirit's um, ability to minister to our heart so that we can grow in Him? Because, I mean, I've only been born again six months, which I know isn't a long time, but uh, why couldn't He show me this issue back when I got born again? So what was it in my heart that was limiting that ability? So, yeah. Yeah, when you get born again, it depends how many things you surrender to Him. You know, there's a lot of things that we surrender and other things we don't surrender to Him, okay? Uh, just to correct you a little bit, when you get born again, not only your spirit experiences life, but the Bible says in Ezekiel that you, you get a new heart. So you do get a new heart. What does that mean to have a new heart? It means to be totally healed from the pain, the fear um, that we've always had, and uh, the, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, the straps of life. Uh, yeah, that, that really sort of create the imprints. Eh? The scars. The scars. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. <clears throat> the scars. He heals you totally. Now, the problem is, is we do not immediately, because I think, um, what I had read uh, from George Barner, who's a Christian statistician, he says probably we have between uh, uh, three months to about a year, a window of opportunity to be able to renew our minds. And this is why it's so important when, we exp when people get born again, immediately we have to put them into this process of renewing their mind as quickly as possible. Um, and show them who they are in Christ, show them how to have a relationship with the Lord, how to deal with the strongholds in their lives, you know, how to get that assurance of their salvation immediately. I mean, when I, when I say immediately, we mean immediately you've got to do that. So as they renew their minds and their heart is still pure and open, then because the mind has been renewed, it can keep the heart at that state. But because we do not renew our minds, the old patterns of life and the habits that we have come in and they destroy the heart again. And it goes back to the way it was before where you sit down and say, man, am I really born again? <laughs> you know, have, have I really experienced God? I remember when, um, uh, when my wife Kenna spoke, spoke to me about the love of God in, in a very late uh, 90s, 97, 98, so somewhere in there, I, th I thought, because I was a religious person, and that's what I want to talk about, and I can't do it this week, we'll have to do it now next week, sorry about that, but um, th that's what it was all about. You're just a religious person for 20 years, you know, and someone comes to you and you experience something and you say, man, I wonder, was I born again now? Because you experienced God, your heart opened up, and for about a month, my heart, I was on another level. I promise you. I was on a totally another uh, sphere. I was operating, feeling, and experiencing myself totally different. And I thought, maybe I got born, born again there and then. No, what had happened is I just surrendered my religious mindset to God's love, and my heart had opened up, and I just started experiencing God. That's all that happened. 
But because I didn't renew my mind into the grace, the righteousness, and the love of God, guess what happened? I became religious again in my heart. See, that's what happens, you know. And the Holy Spirit is always there. He's always trying to take you to that specific level where you can experience your righteousness in Christ, you know. But it doesn't happen because now you haven't renewed the mind. And you haven't taken the decision, like the Bible says, okay, after I renew that, what do I need to do? Put him on. Start entering into him. Start experiencing him. Seeing myself. What does it feel like to be in him? What does it look like to, to be righteous? I mean, I remember one specific incident, now that you, you brought up, because I was battling, you know. I was borderline saddest, you know. Like, in other words, now God wants to give me a bit of whipping, you know what I'm trying to say? Because it really helps to get you to the next level. And I remember being in my heart and uh, uh, thinking about that, you know, hardship really, maybe you do learn through hardship. And God just said to me, just like that, what do you think my name Jehovah Nisi means, my friend? Just like that. Is that Greek? Yeah. So God, so, He's so Greek God, to me. So God's, God is like a Greek mafia. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, what, what do you think Jehovah Nisi means? It means I've overcome all that stuff that you want to go out and suffer for. Let's go. I'm your banner. I'm your victory. Look, God has to speak to me like that. <laughs> That's how love sounds to me. But anyway, so, um, so yeah, he says, what about heaven I sanctified you? Heaven has separated you from all that you think about religion, and I've put you into Christ, and I've given you my banner, my victory. And what have I said to you? You, in 1 John, it says, you overcome all things by the faith. So are you going to put your trust, your faith, in the faith I had to overcome all of those things that you're going to want to go and suffer for? Are you willing to believe that I'm risen above all those things? Your poverty, your sickness, your uh, inadequacies, your whatever. Are you willing to believe that? I was raised above it and I'm on top of it. And I'm asking you to come in me and experience the end result. That's what faith is. Your faith is that. He says, in the Old Testament, people individually, Moses had to believe God that this is who he says he is, the God of peace, like Gideon, the God of, of victory, whoever it was in Jeremiah, individually. Today, you don't have to believe that. Jesus has all of those names. Amen. All you need to do is enter into me and experience it. That's why I said last week, all we need to do is enter the state of being in Jesus and we experience all the names we don't have to believe a specific name because it's found in Jesus I have to believe that Jesus obtained those names and I'm in him that's it and that's all I need to do daily enter into him hey I am who I am in him I have what I have in him. I can do what I can do because I'm in him. 
So the question is, did I enter into him today? Because if I didn't, then I'm going to wonder, has he still got them? <laughs> That's what I'm going to wonder. Why, Tassel, why don't you take everyone through a, a quick meditation? Because you, you can't do your testimony now. It's already, it's already. Sorry about that. Yes. No, no, it's fine. You got a question? Say again. Yeah. Yeah, say it. You have to come. Please. I'm not in front of everybody. Hello? Okay. Um. I just want to share something quickly because I feel like it's on my heart and it might be for someone, yeah? Um, so previously last year I've been going through this um, situation with work. I used to work for a corporate company and I was treated really, really badly. And I got unfairly dismissed and it was just terrible. So I thought to myself, no, I'm going to fight these people because I was struggling with um, dealing with wanting things to go my way. So I was like, no, these people don't deserve to be forgiven. They've done such bad to everybody, I need to fight. So I took them to the CCMA and I was like, this is not gonna happen. And every time I went there, I had anxiety and I was like, Lord, I need to fight this. Like, I know you say you want to, but I'm gonna do this because I believed like maybe my way is better. And, um, I would go, I'd get anxiety and so on. And then when I came back to church last year, not last, yeah, last year, um, I was in worship and God showed me, it was a few days before my CCMA case. And I'm very nervous, by the way, so <laughs> sorry. Um, God showed me, he was sitting in front of me on um, the table and he said to me, just look at me. Don't look anywhere else, look to me. And he said to me, um, you're victorious in me, you have won in me, and you are strong in me. And as he said that to me, that weight lifted off of my shoulders and a peace came. And I was like, I'm not going to fight anymore. Like, I can't. And um, I was like, God, you take the wheel. I don't need this money. I don't need anything. I just need you. And... Um, in January, I had my last case, and I was like, Lord, I don't wanna come back here. This is the last time. If I win, if I don't win, I'm not coming back. And I went in there, and they didn't show up, and for the first time, I didn't have anxiety. I had peace about it. They didn't show up, and um, the commissioner was like, okay, well, we're gonna do a um, default reward, which means I'm only listening to your side. I'm not listening to theirs. So I told my side, and she was like, okay, cool, I'm gonna put it in, and the choice is up to CCMA case. I was like, God, I don't care, actually, because I feel peace, I don't care what happens. And that was on the Thursday, the Saturday I got an email, and they said to me that you, your case has been approved, and they have to comply with the reward. And bear in mind, I only worked there four months. I didn't get paid for January. They said in this email that we have um, requested your January salary plus three, mo three months um, reward for the dismissal. And I just felt God say to me, it's not worth your peace. It's not worth your joy. Just leave it. And so I want to encourage you that God wastes nothing. Nothing 
internally and externally. Not only did I get the peace internally and the worrying about how it's supposed to happen, but I also got externally something that I never thought that I would get. So that's what I wanted to say. That's exactly what you're saying. Just enter into him. Enter into him and he'll lift everything. Amen. Awesome. Why don't you close your eyes, Pastor Tussle is going to take us through a meditation. And this is a good exercise now of how to enter into his righteousness. Okay. We can't just settle for positional righteousness. Okay, I'm saved, healed, delivered, set free, made prosperous. We have to go into that place where we experience righteousness. Amen. So let's learn how to do that this morning. Everybody close your eyes and uh, I'll hand it over to Pastor Tassel. Amen. Just close your eyes. Bow your head as well. And, and just see yourself as a, as a form of sub- submission when you bow your head. And as you're sitting there, I want you to picture yourself in this beautiful surrounding that you feel quite safe. It can be mountain, it can be by the sea, it can be just sitting on a park bench, looking out at something that you enjoy. And as you're looking, you suddenly see Jesus coming towards you. Man, as he gets closer, you get excited, you stand up, and you're going towards him to greet him and as you get closer you just begin to see so much life in this being you begin to see so much light of him in him as you embrace and you tell him how much you appreciate him for being your savior and how much you love him he puts his hand on you he says I'm your elder brother our father has given me all the inheritance and I want you to share it with me And as you're standing there, you step towards him and he steps towards you and you enter into him and he enters into you. And as you begin to settle in him, you suddenly begin to see little light of photons inside your entire being just bursting little lights and then you experience those bursting lights all over your body inside your organ your brain they begin to intensify and inside that light you begin to experience life and it gets greater and bigger and bigger man there's just so much explosion taking place inside of you right now 
It's like Guy Fox Day within you. You begin to see now these explosions is his life. It's him. But they're going in every direction within you. And wherever there is death, wherever, wherever there is sickness, you begin to see, drives it away. And suddenly you begin to experience life, light. And you're sensing, man, this is real love that I'm experiencing right now. It's going on so majestic within you. And as you're experiencing this life, you say, man, this is the abundant life. It's overflowing. And notice that it's, it's like a source within you. Like the Bible says, it will be like rivers of life flowing within you. But notice, it just never stops. You have more than enough. This is more than enough righteousness, more than enough prosperity, more than enough joy, more than enough peace. It's just overflowing. And as you're settling in these explosions of life that never stop, Jesus says, this is the life that I've given to everyone. It's the life that God, the Father, experiences. And now you are experiencing it. Abide in it. Remain in it. Don't move away from this. Let this be your continuous experience. Because this is what it means to be in me. To move in me and to experience yourself in me. And as you sit there, you begin to praise, you begin to worship, and you begin to say, thank you. Thank you for sharing this life. I don't deserve it, but I am worthy of it because you have made me worthy. I didn't work for this, but you have given it to me as a free gift. I accept it in the name of Jesus. while you're sitting there and experience this reality, you say to yourself, I'm going to take this with me when I open my eyes to the hours, to the days, to the weeks, months, and years to come. And this will be my reality. This is my point of departure. This is where I'm going to look at and experience and interpret life from. This is what it means to be complete in Him. Amen. Open your eyes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give Him a round of applause. Come on. See, you can do that because Christ has paid the price. You don't have to go to Him and beg and beg and beg. You're not a beggar. You're a believer. You are in the righteousness of Christ. Connect with Him. That's what prayer is about. If you've joined Discipleship School, we're going to be going through prayer this year. And we're going to show you what that's all about. You're going to be totally blown away. I just want to let you guys know, how many of you guys would like to be on Discipleship School, but you need a sponsor? 
If you do, just put up your hand. If you're a student and you, and you need a sponsor, cool, that's awesome. We're going to go to Adley afterwards and we're going to ask Adley to source you a sponsor because I know there are some folks out there who really want to sponsor folks. Also, while we were doing that meditation, Holy Spirit brought something up in my heart. Somebody uh, is battling with um, sin, a sin of abortion. They just can't get over it. It's holding them back. You don't have to put up your hand. Just come speak to me afterwards. But it's either somebody in this room or it's somebody you know that they just cannot get over the condemnation of this decision. And it's holding them. It's holding them. They need freedom. Abortion. Yeah. Awesome. Have an amazing week, family. Yes. Yes.